we're going to jump over or flip over rather uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. And we're going to land a perfect 10 on verse number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 4. Amen. And we'll read 4 through 5, but you can take your seat in Jesus' name. Amen. Take it away, Minister Brandon. All right. Um, thank you, Pastor Lincoln. I uh, give honor to God, Pastor Lincoln, uh, the eldest, ministers, staff, my family, my beautiful wife, my kids. Uh, I couldn't be who I am without you all. Um, so here we're in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. I'm just going to read those two, even though I'm going to be dropping down to 14 and 16. It says, and such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. And, you know, as you, as you know, you know, we're talking about blind spots. Um, that's the current sermon series that we're in. And, Michael, you could throw up the definition for blind spot. A blind spot is an area that is not able to be seen either due to its location outside of the field of vision or due to some physical obstruction or defect in someone's eye. And so as we're talking about blind spots today, regarding that, we're going to be talking about out of sight, out of mind, out of sight, out of mind. It's all going to come together and make sense. Uh, so when something is out of sight, out of mind, if you could throw up that definition, Out of sight, out of mind is when a person stops thinking about something or someone, if he or she does not see that thing or person for a period of time. So when, we, when we're out of the presence of God, he becomes, he starts to be out of sight, out of mind for us. You know, the more we're out of his presence, the more we begin to operate without him, which is what we should not be doing. And so here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, Paul is talking again to the church at Corinth. And of course, you know, this is a major city in Paul's time. Um, but of course, this city has some problems. And so in 1 Corinthians, you know, Paul is bringing order because there's division now because, you know, the old covenant has been done away with. Now we have the new covenant in Jesus Christ. And so because of this, there's division about, you know, who Christ is, you know, what he stands for. Is he real? You know, all different things of that nature. You, you know how man does when, you know, everybody wants to debate, throw their opinion in, throw their two cents in instead of just believing you know, the truth, you know, from Paul, somebody who was around Christ, somebody who knows what was really going on. And so there was in the city, there were, you know, different things that were acceptable and we can fall into that trap of what's acceptable. The longer we're out of the presence of God, when we're not in the presence of God, when we're not in prayer, when we're not in worship, we can begin to fall to things that society tells us are acceptable or things that, you know, our family may say is acceptable, or things, you know, our jobs may say is acceptable, or things that the media says is acceptable, but these things are not necessarily acceptable to God because it goes against his character, his nature, and who he created us to be. And so, as Paul is talking to Corinth, you know, he, he wants them to know, you know, like, I know all of these things are going on. I know there are people are telling you this is what's acceptable and, and things of that nature, because just like every other city, you know, there are different practices going on. Uh, you know, different things are acceptable as far as, uh, you know, pagan religions, uh, you know, immorality, just people not living the right way. But everyone says it's OK. Everyone says it's all right. But Paul is like, no, that's not all right, you know, because, you know, you belong to God. So you have to do what is acceptable to God. And that's what we also have to do. We have to do what's acceptable to God because society wants us to believe that so many things are okay. 
They want it's okay to identify as so many things, but if you identify as a Christian, if you identify as a believer, a believer, if you identify as a child of God, then society has a problem. So in verse four, it says, in such trust we have through Christ to Godward. And here Paul is letting them know, you know, we can trust, we can trust in Christ because of what he's done. And he did what the first Adam couldn't do. You know, Adam, Adam walked with God, but Adam allowed sin to come in. Adam fell to sin. So it caused then a separation. Whereas, you know, Adam used to walk in the garden. He used to talk with God every day. He used to be in his presence every day. Now he has to be kicked out of the garden because of sin. So now sin has caused separation between us and God. It says in such trust we have through Christ to Godward. So meaning that we can trust Christ because Christ did it the right way. Christ remained obedient to the end. Christ submitted until the end. Christ understood his purpose and he died for everybody. Like he didn't just die for one particular race. He didn't just die for, you know, his people. He died for the entire world. You know, he didn't die for one race for them to have superiority. And Christ, you know, he died because he, he truly loved us. He loved everybody. There was no stipulation, you know, and that's a blind spot for some of us. Love is something that's out of sight, out of mind for us. Like we don't know how to receive love or we don't know how to receive the love of God or we don't know how to receive the love of Christ and what he did because people showing us that type of love, it's been out of sight, out of mind. We've been away from real love for so long, such a long period of time that we can, it's strange to us. So now to think that God loves us, to think that Christ loves us enough to not even know us, but to consider everybody and to still die, knowing that we would still make mistakes and things of that nature, he was still willing, that's strange to us. We can move on to verse five. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. So this is what happens when we're out of the presence of God. And later on, it mentions Moses. And like I said, uh, when, when Adam sinned, it caused a separation. So now a temple has to be built. You know, there are certain specifications in order to get the presence of God from heaven into the earth. You know, there were certain things that had to be in place. There was certain, there was a certain way everything had to be set. And because of this, like I said, God used to walk with Adam every day, but now because of the separation, now because of sin, God doesn't function like that anymore. Now God only speaks to a people through a person or he speaks, you know, to a people through a prophet, you know, or something like that. You know, he's not speaking to individual people. Not everybody has access. Even, you know, when it came to the temple, only the high priest could go in there. Or if you found favor with God, like Moses, only Moses could go speak to God. But it was a strange thing to the people. You know, when, when Moses went to Mount Sinai, he came back and his face was gone because of him being in the presence of God. It was strange to the people. So they didn't understand. So because not everybody had that same type of relationship. And so while Moses was gone, they asked Aaron to build them a God. They're like, you know, we don't know. We don't know what's up with Moses. Like he been gone. He said he's talking to God. We don't really know what's going on. God ain't talking to us. So, you know, let us build us something, you know, build us a God. And so Aaron did. Aaron took all their ornaments. He, he took all their gold and he made it. He made it into something that they could relate to. He, he made it into something that they were used to being around, something that wasn't out of sight for them. A calf, because out of everything that you can make into a God, you choose a calf. But that's something that they could relate to. That's something that they were around. You know, they they had calves. You know, they they sold calves. They were sacrificing calves 
because of sin. It was something that they were used to. And so us in like manner, when we're out of the presence of God, when we're out of prayer, when we're out of worship, we turn to what who we're around all the time, all day, every day. And that's ourselves. And that's something that we can't fall to because we are not sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves. We shouldn't think that, you know, we have it all together. And the thing is, you know, we begin to think we're sufficient of ourselves because we think that God's requirements are too much. Even though we have access through Jesus Christ, we'll say that God's requirements are too much. But if you, if, when we look around us, we have, access, we have requirements all around us. That job that you work, it was certain requirements that you had to have on your resume to even get an interview. And to even get the job, you still had to fulfill certain requirements. When you get married, you know, there's certain requirements that you're looking for from people. And there's some certain requirements that they're looking for from you. So there are, there are requirements all around us. But when it comes to God, we'll say that his requirements are too much. And so we'll, we'll begin to think that we can become self-sufficient. And uh, Mike, if you can go to the definition for uh, sufficiency. So sufficiency... Self-sufficiency or independence of character, especially of an arrogant or imperious sort. So we begin to think that God is too much. His character is too much. Holiness is too much. So we can be self-sufficient. We can do it on our own. And we become, we, we're arrogant about it. Just because we know a little bit, just because we went to school, just because we have a degree, just because, you know, we have common sense and, you know, or, you know, we think, we think about things in a certain way. We, we begin to be arrogant about it. And the next word I want to go to is imperious. Imperious means assuming power or authority without justification, arrogant and domineering. So when we leave God out, when he's out of sight, out of mind for us, we're assuming power or authority without justification. There's no justification in us assuming power or authority. Christ has power and authority because of what he endured, because of his obedience. So he's justified in his power. He's justified in his justification. And even in that, Christ was never arrogant. <laughs> he, was, he was never arrogant. He, he still prayed to the Father. Even though he was fully God, fully man, he never prayed to himself or he never did things on his own. He still went to God. So next we get into the next definition, domineering. To be domineering is asserting one's will over another in an arrogant way. Asserting one's will over another in an arrogant way. So you're not just, so when you leave God out, when you don't pray to God, when you fall into, you know, the routine and, and thinking that, you know, things are happening on your own, that's you asserting your will. Because if you're not seeking God, if you're not getting guidance, if you're not getting direction, if you're not getting instructions, then that's you doing your own thing. That's you doing, you know, living your own will. That's you asserting your will. Because when God, God isn't a God that does not talk. He, he's not a God that doesn't speak. He talks, you know, because even when Moses went to Mount Sinai, he was gone. Like, we think that the Ten Commandments came about and the covenant came about in a quick manner. There was nothing quick about it. Moses was on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. It took that long for God, for God to get everything out that he needed Moses to do. So if we go to God, he is going to talk to us. And that's why we try to leave him out of things, because we don't want to hear what he has to say. And a lot of times we already know what he's going to say. We already know, but still we want to assert our will. Well, if, well, if I don't ask God, then I can say that, you know, he didn't tell me that. Or I can act like I didn't know because I didn't pray. 
So I'm just going to do my own thing. Or we don't like what God has laid before us before us because it's separate from, you know, what we want to do. But we forget that God knows us better than we know ourselves. And so going back to the scripture. So God understanding that, you know, he was an out of sight, out of sight, out of mind thing for us. Cause like I said, they could be gone for days in the presence of God, just talking to God. So now we have Jesus Christ, which gives all of us access. We all get the same experience. We can all go to God. We can see the glory of God. We all get the same benefit because of Jesus Christ. So he's no longer out of sight, out of mind for us. But the thing, there's still a separation. And it's not because of God. Because God noticed the separation like he always does. He's still making a way to us. He sent Jesus Christ. So now that's why, you know, we hear that the, that the veil has been torn, the veil of the temple, because the veil is still separated man from God. Because there was a, you know, there were different courts and there was a holy of holies, but man, you know, sin still kept us separated from God. You know, there, there was still a certain place that we couldn't get to. But now because of Jesus Christ, because of his obedience, because of what he's done, we now have access. We all get the same experience. Not, and now don't confuse what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not saying we all get the same experience. Does God speak to you? Yes. But God speaks to your pastor. God speaks to your leaders differently from how he speaks to you. And God knows that you will still try to act like you didn't hear him. So that's why he has, that's why pastors, that's why leaders are in place because the things that we try to ignore, they have a boldness, they have a confidence, they have a, a level of obedience that they walk in, which is why they're in their positions to bring it to your attention, to give you that reminder, to give you that nudge. Hey, hey, you know, you've been out of my presence for too long. Like, where are you? Like, what's going on? Because I know because if you stay away from me too long, I'm going to be out of sight, out of mind for you. And that's a blind spot that we do not need. So we are not self-sufficient, despite the things that we do on a daily basis. We are not self-sufficient. Everything that we have is, is by the grace of God. So that's why we have to pray <laughs> because this, the Bible tells us our sufficiency is of God, is not of us ourselves. Like we couldn't even save ourselves from sin. There's no way God tried that first with Adam. So he, he already knows, like, I'm not going to try with another one of them. It, the same thing is going to happen again. I need them to come back to me. So let me send Jesus Christ because I know that he is going to get this done. So we can't allow ourselves to be blinded by routine. We can't allow ourselves to be blinded by different opinions. And, and that's why Paul was in Corinth, you know, telling them, like, I know these different things are acceptable, immorality, you know, different things of that nature. But we are not, you're not sufficient of yourself. You need Christ. Christ is the only way to the Father. And as it talked about in verse four, you know, being Godward. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. So I'm like, God, what does that mean? God is like, you don't need to just move forward. You need to move Godward. Because you can move forward. You moving forward, that's you moving in your own will. When you move Godward, you're moving towards God. You're moving towards his will. So that's the direction we need to be going. We need to be going Godward. And next, uh, Mike, if you could drop down to 14. 
Next, we're going to be talking about the veil because there was a veil in the temple and there's a, there was a system in place, but God was after our heart because unless your heart is changed, you're not going to be able to receive him. You're not going to be able to, you know, accept his will. And verse 14 says, but their minds were blinded for until this day remain at the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. All right, you can go to 15. But even until this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. So Christ came to get rid of, you know, the religious system, you know, the people that were religious, the people that were, you know, following the same things that Moses was doing, you know, because everything is written down. So, okay, if I, if I build all of this, I can get the presence of God. And God is like, but what, what is your heart like? Like, what is your life like? God didn't want it to be like that anymore. Um, and a person that I'm going to reference is Herod. Mike, if you can put up that picture. This is Herod's temple. So they had temples where, you know, that they would build to the exact specifications that God asked for. The presence of God. But if you know anything about Herod, Herod was not a nice man. Herod went as far as killing his entire family because he was so power hungry and he didn't want anybody to be able to take the crown from him. He killed every single person, but he had a temple. And this is the thing about the temple as we're talking about the veil. The veil was the inner curtain which divided the holy place from the holiest of holies. And now look at this, the veil was 60 feet in height and 20 feet in width and four to eight inches in thickness. So this is the amount of, of separation that was between, you know, us and God. And so now when we talk about the veil in our heart in the scripture, this isn't, you know, we're used to seeing, you know, a bride with a veil over her face and this is thin material. No, according to this, the veil was thick. So the veil over our heart, that's why we need Jesus Christ. We need his submission. We need his, his obedience. We need his direction to get rid of the thickness around our heart so that we can walk Godward. What is the veil that's over our heart? It's opinions, thoughts, you know, things that, you know, appear to be fact, but really don't make sense like we think that's why the bible tells us that the mind is enmity against god because we can see something like just think about something as simple as the earth you have those that say the earth is round you have those that say that the earth is flat we clearly have pictures but people will deny what's on the picture which clearly shows every single planet being round which clearly shows earth being round but you still have those that will try to their minds would tell them, you know, to think this way, that the earth is flat. And we'll try to get you to believe that. So these are all the things that, that cause a veil to be over our heart. So that's why we can't stay out of the presence of God, because the longer we're out of the presence of God, we'll turn to ourselves. The longer we're out of the presence of God, we'll turn to the media. The longer we're out of the presence of God, other things can begin to make sense to us. But that's not those things aren't true. Like I said, because if, you know, if you think about it long enough, you know, or if you read enough material, you can begin to, you know, think like the person that wrote the article on, that, that would tell you that the earth is flat. You can, you'll begin to believe that thing like, oh, okay, I see how that could be true. And you'll also begin to look at fact. You'll begin to look at the picture and deny it and say it's false or say that, you know, it's photoshopped or something like that. But that's not the case. The thing is just that you're out of sight, out of mind. Now you have a blind spot. 
So we have to accept Christ. We have to go Godward. We have to turn to God because that's the only way that that veil on our heart is removed. And like I said, it's, it's, not, it's not a small veil. It's a thick veil. So that's why we have to stay in the presence of God a lot to get through the thickness. You can't go in and come out because only a portion of that layer has been removed. There's so much more to go. Like if you wonder why people keep asking you the same questions, it's because that veil is not fully gone. You may get frustrated, but you really have to think like, why are they still asking me this question? This is because I haven't been fully honest. It's because I haven't fully opened up. It's because there's still something there that God needs to get to. But their minds were blinded for until this day remained at the same veil. So until this day, that same veil is there. But like I said, the veil of separation is now done. It's now gone away in Christ. This is why we need Christ, because he's the only one that can remove the veil from my heart so that we can think properly. Because a lot of, if you try to make sense of the word, that's why you, you're doing this by faith. <laughs> you know, Christ has been gone for a long time, but we can still have a relationship with him. But it takes faith to believe that he did all that he did. It takes faith to believe that he's not like man. It takes faith for me to believe that he's not like my father, that he's like, not like my mother. You know, that he's not like people that I've come in contact with throughout my life and that he really loves me. It takes faith to believe that because logic will say he's, he, you know, he's just like them. Like, why is he so different? They've been around you, you know, a long time. You came from them. So how can he love you more from somebody that you came from? That's halfway true. Did, did they birth me? Yes. But I really came from God. And that's the truth that God wants us to see. And I'm going to pass this thing over to Lewis. Amen. Amen. And as we continue this teaching, uh, we're going to jump over to chapter four and pick up at second Corinthians chapter four, verse one. And the scripture reads, therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. And I don't know about you, but when I read this scripture, it says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry. And for a second, I just had to thank God that I have this ministry. I just had to thank God that when I look at my salvation, my walk, when I look at where God has placed me, when I look at, you know, this ministry that I have, I am so grateful for the awesome teaching, the word, the people. Uh, that when I came allowed me to be a part of this thing that God and a lot of people can't say this I know for myself God placed me here God brought me here therefore seeing we have this ministry I am thankful for the ministry that God has placed me in and I just give God praise today because even this opportunity to speak before this awesome and great people it's this ministry that has given me the opportunity where he's placed me where he's called Called me where he's groomed me therefore seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy we faint not and I thought this was interesting because do you know 
that even though in my right now where we're thanking God in the fact that we are here, that God has placed us here, that God has given us such an awesome apostle, an awesome senior pastor, elders and ministers of the house, that even here in ministry, there is a time that sometimes we can forget why we are grateful for the place that we are. It says, therefore, seeing. And when you look at the definition of therefore seeing, it says the ground or the reason by which something is done. And in all that praise that we have and all that thankfulness that we have, you know that there is a time where you can lose sight, where it can become out of mind the reason why you are placed here within this ministry. And I don't know about you, but I've been there. I've been there where it was, God, what is happening? I feel like I'm a little lost. I feel like my perspective is skewed as to why I'm here. I feel like I'm not being fulfilled in my heart the way that I know that when I first came to this ministry, you filled me. You put your spirit in me, upon me, your word. It uh, it. It resonated with me right now. I feel like I'm hearing I'm 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 doing the work of ministry, but I'm not getting the fulfillment or the satisfaction from it. God, what is happening? Even though I'm in this ministry, I know I should be grateful. I think upon the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done, the people that have been involved in even my walk. And I'm, and I'm so grateful for. But why is it right now that therefore seeing I can't see the reason by which I'm doing this thing. When you look at the word ministry, the, 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 another word or a synonym for it, it means service. And when we think about service and why we're called or why God has called us, you know, there's two things we can look at even in scripture as to what is the reflection or what does it mean to see or be a part of ministry. The Bible says that the two greatest commandments is that we love the Lord our God, and that we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. When we think about ministry and doing ministry, this is the epitome, the definition, the pillar, the foundation as to what ministry looks like and why we do it. And along the way, sometimes we can forget that our ministry, our first ministry, is to continue to build our relationship with God. Sometimes we can get so distracted by doing the things, the community service, making sure these slides are up, making sure the presentation looks nice, making sure that, uh, you know, that when we're back in the sanctuary, that certain things are in place and certain activities that we're doing things. And we can get so caught up in the doing. We can so get so caught up in the task of what ministry can look like and forget about what the heart of ministry is, about what the purpose of ministry is, which is first to make sure that our relationship with God, that we are making sure that we are serving the Lord our God, that us, this body, this flesh is continued to present itself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. And what is holy and acceptable is that constant coming to God so that he can remove the way that we think the way that we feel and the way that we want to do things and place it with his word and that where we measure our lives and what we do according to his word to make sure that we're building that foundation with him and that we keep our eyes unto him, that we keep looking to the hill from which comes our help, that we make sure that we first have a personal connection, that personal relationship, that personal worship, that ministry to ourselves and him and our service to him. We have to make sure we don't lose sight of that first. 
and we can easily begin to side of that where sometimes even in ministry you begin to put others or even uh, uh making sure that other people are in a, are in the right place or other people are making sure that their connection with god is there but you forget about your own it is so vital pivotal when we're talking about our walk that we make sure that we continue to have that connection you know i've been blessed to have the opportunity at one point because i would see him every single day go before the lord as and cry out before god asking god worshiping him in spirit and in truth the truth of who he is but the truth of understanding who god is and asking god to fill him with more of him to fill him with his presence to fill him with his word and i would wonder why i mean it is great to see someone want and had that dedication but there was it was for a reason because he knew that he couldn't do this thing called ministry this thing called service this thing where we're called to not only love god but one another can't do it by himself and a lot of times we are running on fumes we are running on our own strength and we wonder why we feel that at one point we can't get to that place that god has called us to be is because we have forgotten that we need to include god in the race that we're running that we need to seek god early that he may be found and call upon him while he is near so that we can be filled with his strength and his spirit to endure this task that he's placed upon us we are trying to do the task of ministry or the task of service or the task of church without god because we're getting so caught up in the actual tangible things but we have to make sure that we include him tap into him because it's him who gives us the strength to be able to push forth and endure and this is why i love this scripture therefore seeing we have this ministry as we have as we have received mercy and god knows sometimes that we can get to that place where sometimes it is his presence making sure that we're seeking him making sure that sometimes we can get caught up in the day-to-day -day. sometimes we wake up late sometimes we're running late sometimes it's like oh i where i god i know you're the priority i know that this is what i should be doing but like uh, 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 I'm, I'm a little bit off task. I'm, you know, um, I, I, my agenda and what, how I things had flowing. Like I wanted to start at one and two, but I got to jump to three because it's already nine o'clock in the morning. I got to run to work. I got to drive. I got to get there. I got to do certain things. We receive, we have received mercy and I thank God for his mercy. What is God's mercy? God's divine grace and his compassion. God knows and how we were made and how who we are he formed us before the foundation of the world he knows that there's going to be moments where sometimes things out of mind the 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 way that things can get out of sight and then you know uh what we're supposed to be doing or the way that we're supposed to be operating in it can become a little lost a little skewed uh, thank God for his mercy. I thank God for his mercy because we have received mercy already. Why? That in these moments that we can say, we faint not. That in these moments when things feel like, I just can't get it together. I, it's just not coming together that, the way that I want it. That even in this, even though it seems hard, even though it's a struggle, even though it feels like it's not coming together all the way, even though it feels like when I look at on the inside of me, the things that people cannot see the things that i know are resting in here the things that i know 
are not all the way put together right, the things that I know are not all the way in alignment with God's will and purpose for my life, in the way that I know that I'm still being worked on on the inside, I can say that I have the mercy of God. I can say that because of his mercy, I'm not going to faint. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop striving for the, for the person that God has created me to be and wants me to be and wants me to move into. I'm not going to faint. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. There might be times where I make a mistake. There might be times where, you know, uh, there, that I didn't have the right perspective about it, but I'm grateful for this ministry that he's placed me in. These people that can hold me accountable. These people who can pray for me. These people who can speak the word to me. And encourage me so that I don't have to faint. I found myself just even uh, uh, earlier this month having to call upon certain people because I felt like I had lost my way. I felt like I was about to faint. I felt weary. I felt like I wasn't getting sleep. I felt heavy. I felt uh, like even things that I would do, the progress that I needed to make. There were so many things upon me. I could feel the weight of life pressing upon me and I had to make a call. I had to call brother. I had to call Lincoln. I had to call and just tell him like, hey man, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm feeling. This is, you know, uh, where my mind is. I feel like I can't get a grasp or a control of certain things. Yes, I'm doing ministry, but I feel like I want to take a step back. I feel like, you know, I don't know if my heart is is right and I don't feel like I could do in this and walk in this capacity because I feel like this weight is starting to take over. And it was through that confession, through the conversation that he had, through the prayer of deliverance that he prayed, that I was able to, after that conversation, come back up and begin to declare that I'm not going to faint and begins to declare that we will faint not. And it's that ministry. That's why I'm grateful for this ministry that he's placed us in, because there is a mercy in walking with one another, a mercy that we abide another he didn't come to me and he just said no Lou, you got to get it together there was a point where he was just like bro i need you you know the calling of god on your life you know what you have to do but i'm here with you thank you for telling me now we can pray now we can go before the throne of god together now we can go and ask god to begin to strengthen you and to have his weight in you and begin to shake off the things that is causing you to feel like you're deficient and causing you to feel like you can't do this thing when you can because he's given us the strength. He's removed this veil that Minister Brandon was talking about. He's removed those four to, to eight inches of, of things off your heart so that you can begin to experience the glory of God, so that you can begin to walk and do this thing called ministry and have the victory that he's given us because we faint not. Hallelujah. Because we have... What he's given us this space, this confession, this honesty that we must walk in for the mercy that was shown unto me by not only my leader, but God as he moved and began to strengthen me to come out of that place that I was feeling. It says we faint not. And when you look at the word, it means utterly sickness, wearied out, exhausted. And we forget when we're talking about this thing called ministry, again, we try to do things by our own strength and we look at people and the things that must be done and we forget about what the Bible says is that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, 
wickedness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. The reason why it becomes difficult to uh, to why it becomes easy to move things from being out of sight and out of mind is because we forget that there is still a spiritual aspect in terms of our walk with Christ. We forget that there is spirituality that must be in place, must be in for that we are not, we are in this world, but we are not of it. There's a different mindset that we must take on when we look at the world and when we look at life. And that mindset that we take on is the mind of Christ where we look and filter as we move through life through the lens of his word. That's what will cause us not to faint, not that's what will cause us not to get to a place where we are spiritless. And for me, I'm talking about myself. I had gotten to a place where I begin to look and do things and move and maneuver from my own strength and forget that I needed the word in order to do things. And I would press in when I needed to. When I got to a point where I was just like, okay, God, I definitely can't do this without you. Let me get before your presence. Let me repent the fool out of everything that I could repent for and then try to empty out what I'm feeling. So moment and we'll have crisis faith or crisis worship or come to God. We'll remember, you know, when when we're presented with something that now brings back to mind that we need him. But God is looking for that consistency. God is looking for that. You didn't even have to uh, uh, you didn't even have to be in a place where now you're having to push and press and prompt all of these things or even get remove uh get your mindset out of your own flesh and your own inhibitions and your own fears and your own doubts you wouldn't have had to do all that if you had just stayed consistent if you had just made sure that your perspective that your service unto me that you're staying connected with me god help us god help us when we move on to verse two it says but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And it says, but, I love this because but, it means nevertheless. And we, God is looking for us as a people that regardless of, again, when things get hard, when things get pressed, we use the tools that he's given us to make sure that we're pushing past how we feel and into that place of nevertheless. God, I feel depressed. God, I feel heavy. God, I feel like I don't know if I can do this. But God, nevertheless, at your word, what it says is that I'm more than a conqueror, that I can do all things, that I'm the head and not the tail, that, you know, I can uh, come to this place where I can have, you know, the promises of God, the things that you spoke to me and I can experience it, that I can move out of this place of how I feel and then come to this place of what you said about me. And I think that the, the, this is that even when we're about out of sight out of mind and as we're talking about ministry we've 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 talked about how we have to make sure that we have our personal relationship but we cannot forget about that second thing that he's called us to do where it's to love your neighbor as you love yourself and a lot of times when we're talking about ministry there can be dysfunction even in the body of Christ of how we're doing things not only because we have been failing to make sure that our personal connection with God is intact but then taking that uh, that uh, that that way that God has called us to love him and then to begin to love other people. But having renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, and if we're talking about ministry flowing, 
and functioning and making sure that we're of good service, we have to make sure that even with other people that we are renouncing the hidden things of dishonesty. Renounce means to give up, forbid, to separate oneself. And these hidden things, these secret things, these things that will bring us shame, we, a lot of us sometimes will walk around feeling shame and we have the opportunity to talk with one another where they might be feeling the same thing or they might know or have felt that thing and have been able to get out of a place and can teach us how we don't have to experience that thing or hold on to that thing we're feeling. But we have yet to open up ourselves to denounce these hidden things that we are still holding on to. These hidden thoughts, these hidden mindsets, these hidden us. We have not renounced these things of dishonesty just yet. These things where we are deceiving ourselves or where the enemy has implanted certain things or certain words or certain ideologies. And now we've taken those things on because we're not opening our mouths to talk about these things. We're not opening our mouths to make sure that we are speaking about what it is that we're feeling and where we're at or even the word itself. You know, I was telling my wife the other day, I was like, you know, I, I have to get back to a place where, you know, I feel like I'm better. I feel like, you know, one thing that I need to do, I just need to make sure that I'm having that personal connection in the word. But you know what else I miss? I miss those conversations where I would just talk to another saint or I would just talk to somebody else in the church and we would just talk about the word. We would just sit there and, and dissect the word. We would just sit there and talk about where you are in your walk and where I am my walk and it was those things those that fellowship that ministry that is happening even within simple conversation of that keeps me grounded about you know not only being grateful for where God has me but even being able to speak life to somebody else or encourage somebody else or somebody encourage me I haven't renounced staying keeping things inside of me hidden I haven't renounced uh, making sure that I'm communicating and forgetting not for what such sacrifice God is well pleased or confessing one to another so that, you know, uh, the, uh, my, I can be healed and so somebody can pray and their effectual fervent prayer can help me. I haven't renounced these things of, you know, making sure that I'm being honest with the person next to me about whether it is they did something to me that, you know, I didn't like and us having the opportunity to talk about it. You know, we look at ministry, right? And we say that we're a family and we say that, you know, we love one another. But are we really exercising love when we look at the fact that we're still we still have hidden things that we're being dishonest about on the inside, whether it's one towards another, whether it's our relationship with God? Are we at that place where we're experiencing liberty so we don't have to faint not because we're communicating about what it is that we need to talk about and walking in truth? You know, my, I love. My blood family, I love them. There's a lot of things that I do not agree with them at all. But one thing I cannot say is that it doesn't stop me from loving them. I may not like what they do at all. I may not like the decision at all. But that doesn't stop me from not talking to them. But what we'll do here in ministry sometimes here in church is that you did something I don't like, well, I'm not going to talk to you at all. You did something I don't like, and I'm going to give you a little bit of the cold shoulder. You did something I don't like, and I'm going to just walk kind of, I'm going to kind of walk past you next time. Or I'm going to avoid you in a, in a group setting, or I'm going to really not acknowledge you or hug on you or love you the way that I used to. I'm not going to give you that kiss on the cheek. Uh, I'm not being consistent in what I say or what I know love is, even though God is teaching us about love, but I'm not showing you that kind of love. I haven't denounced those 
hidden things of dishonesty just yet and I'm still playing or allowing my emotions or the enemy to play on my emotions so that you know it keeps me from operating in that ministry or that love that God has called us to walk in. But we have renounced the hidden things of this dishonesty. Have you renounced those hidden things? The things that people that you think people don't see, but they see. One thing I appreciate about this prophetic house, again, I appreciate this ministry. And I didn't always I didn't always appreciate uh, even when I first got saved, the, the first lady of the house calling me out, walking by me and say, I see you. I smell you. I see you. I see where you're at. I see your mindset. Get it together. Tighten it up. We sometimes we don't appreciate those things like, oh, why she got to call me out like that? Oh, why she got why they got to point it out like that? Why they got to do that in public? But it kept me. I can say that for 10, 11 years that I'm still saved. Who, how many people, and then I can say that I've seen people come and go, but it was the word of God that kept me. It was the people making sure that they were honest with me and making sure that I was being honest with the, with the dishonesty that was on, on the inside of me. I'm grateful for where I am. Not walking in craftiness. Craftiness means suspicious. Always thinking the worst of people. And how you know that you're not in the right place or that the veil is kind of there, that even though you're saved, there's a veil there because now it doesn't matter what people say, what people do. Now you're suspicious about everything. Man, why they say that? Man, why they do that? Man, I don't know. That sounded funny. Me. I'm talking about me. Hmm. I don't know if I could trust that. Hmm. I don't know if they motives are right. Hmm. Not even using real discernment, not even asking God. But it's because there's a veil there, because you can't see, because you are still holding things on the inside that now it feels like things that even if it's pure, trying to get in and trying to, even if somebody is showing you true and genuine love, even if God himself is showing you what the true genuineness of love is supposed to look like, you can't receive it because the veil. And now you're like craftiness, you're suspicious about everything that comes about you. And and I, I don't know about you, but I've experienced this and I've done this myself where even good things or, uh, uh, or you using the word or you saying holy things or you saying the word, there's still uh, an unholy way about it. There's still something behind that. You're saying something, but there's still a little bit of manipulation back there or there's still some deceitfulness back there. or There's still uh, something unholy about even what you're saying because people can use the word and have a motive of unholiness or they're using the word to just think and deceive or make people think that they're in a certain place when they're not really. We'll use the word in a crafty way. And you can mask it and it can sound good, but underlying intentions are still something else. Like when somebody comes and tell you like, hey, how you doing? And you know you're not good. Oh, I'm okay. You're saying the right thing. You're saying what you want to say. But we know on the inside behind that, behind the veil of that heart, it ain't all the way right. Everything is not OK. Lord, help us. It says nor handling the word of God deceitfully. And when we look at deceitfully, it means the only beneficiary of God's word. Uh, when we look at the word deceitfully, I was looking at, OK, Lord, like is the, the being deceitful. How can you use the word of God in a deceitful way? And God began to deal with me. And he said, when you are the only beneficiary of God's word, 
When the only person that you're praying about is self. When the only person that you are making mention of in your prayers is self. There's nothing wrong with that to making sure, again, that you have that personal connection. But are, is God only and always going to hear about you? And not in the sense where uh, you're telling on other people, but in the sense of where you're praying for other people, where you heard and you passed by or somebody told you, hey, sister so-and-so, brother such-and-such is in this place, they're here. Or when they come to you themselves and it's just like, hey, I'm at this place, I need, I need prayer. Are you really going and praying and calling their name out before God? Are you really calling them and giving them an, uh, a place of encouragement or just sometimes even an ear to hear? Or is God only hearing about you in the sense of God, do it for me. God, hold it down for me. God, make a way for me. Nothing wrong with that. But if we're talking about the, again, ministry, the two greatest commandments, the veil being torn from our heart, that he's called us to love him and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Are we handling the word of God in ministry, doing it deceitfully, where it's only becoming about us? And that's where we can begin to even of of why even in that place where it can uh, become like like it's it's weary because we're constantly just asking for things for ourselves. We have the wrong mindset. We're just like God do, God do for me. God do for me. And then when God is show you your heart, like hey, can we examine? And you become heavy and depressed because God is not doing it, and it's because He's trying to show you on the inside. I want to do it for you, but there's something on the inside that we need to deal with first before I do this on the outside. Let me know that I can trust you here before I can trust you out here. It says, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. When you look at the word commend, it means to present or to prove, exhibit or establish. When people talk about you, when people talk about, uh, uh, you know, who you are, can they say that they've seen the presence of God, the sight of God in you and how you do things, the truth? That they've seen you carry out this thing that we've been called to do in this ministry. Can people say, and I'm going to be honest, I was the guy who would say, I don't care what people think. God, as long as you're good, Pastor, as long as you think I'm good, I care about nobody else. That was when I was single. Now, then it changed to leadership and my wife. As long as those people think I'm good, that's it. It was a terrible mindset to have because it was not biblical. The Bible says that we prove all things, showing that which is good. But the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's consciousness. What are people thinking about you? What do they think about you? And it's not that we should care and be moved by people's opinions. But one thing that, and, and I understand this even more and more when our leader would say, you know, I want to live a life that no matter whose presence I'm in, they can say that they feel the love of God. And that wasn't always my mindset. That they can say that they saw God, felt God, that they can say that they were loved and knew love. And that's what we've been called to walk through, walk in, that wherever we are in man's consciousness, they see the sight of God, that they see love, that they see God move through our actions, our words, our deeds. And it first takes 
making sure that we're not allowing a veil to be covered between us and him because that veil was already removed. No matter what we do, we can come to him to receive that mercy of God that he can strengthen us and put us back on our feet. But it also takes the fellowship of the body. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the ministry, the body. I wouldn't be here first if it wasn't for God. But this, the fellowship of the saints, we neglect it. We walk in dishonesty and craftiness about it. We use the word of God deceitfully in it. And we have to make sure that that veil is torn so that not only is God pleased, that we have uh, uh, that we have a pleasant sight in God's vision towards us, but even man's because we're called to prove that too. Amen. 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 All right. And as we're picking up in verse number three, it says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And even as we're talking about, you know, having those blind spots to the gospel or having those blind spots to the word of God or having those blind spots to the ministry that God has called us to do, not just the ministry, the collection or the gathering of people that God has called you to work alongside with, but the ministry of the purpose that God has placed on the inside of us. Most of us find ourselves abiding in this place right here. We have those blind spots that we're not able to actually identify that thing correctly in the manner that God wants us to see it and how we're supposed to carry it out. So he says, but if our gospel, and when we talk about gospel in the Greek, gospel is simply defined as this right here. It's glad tidings of the kingdom of God or glad tidings of salvation or the proclamation of the grace of God. So anytime we're talking about the gospel of God, we're talking about the kingdom of God uh, as the kingdom is going to be set up here in the earth realm, but we're also talking about the glad to, or the good news will have a salvation because of what Christ has done upon the cross for us. He has brought about salvation to us. So when we're talking about the gospel, we're talking about there is saving grace. We're talking about there is mercy. We're talking about there is divine grace for us that God has allowed us to not enter into because of what his son did on the cross. And we're talking about this proclamation there is grace now we're not talking about this radical grace that people are now preaching in all of these different churches where you can go do any and everything you want to do and everything is all right no the bible tells us grace is long suffering which lets us when we interpret it properly it lets us know that there comes a point where grace comes to an end we know it comes to an end because he tells us listen he, he tells us over uh, uh in the new testament where he talks about listen he 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 he, he gives grace to the humble right so understand if you're able to get grace we understand there comes a place where grace has to come to an end, but he allows us the opportunity to be able to get grace once again. When we humble ourselves, right, he hates those that are proud, right? So understand right here, when we're talking about the gospel, we're talking about these glad tidings of the kingdom of God, we're talking about the glad tidings of salvation, and we're talking about proclaiming, preaching about, uh, teaching about, and explaining the grace of God, right? And so we move on, he said, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, right? So if this good news right this this what we're talking about about the kingdom what we're talking about about salvation what we're talking about when it comes to the grace of god if this gospel is hid it is hid to them that are lost right and when we talk about being hid right we say this right here it is defined as something that to be hid right or to hide or to veil or to hinder the knowledge of a thing right so even when we talk about this gospel, sometimes the knowledge of this gospel, it is hindered, right? Because we have those blind spots to the gospel, or we have the blind spots to the word of God, or we have the blind spots to the ministry God has called us to be a part of, or the ministry, the purpose that God wants to pull out of us, and, and how we're supposed to serve the world, how the world is supposed to benefit from the purpose that God himself has placed on the inside of us, right? 
this gospel is hid to those, the scripture says, right? It is hid to them that are lost, right? Do you know somebody, can you relate where you've been lost, right? Most of us say we sing to someone, we talk about amazing grace, I once was lost, but now I'm found, right? And we say I'm found because I found Jesus, his saving grace has brought me in, I'm no longer lost, right? But do you found, do you understand this right here? You can be a Christian, a Christian, and still be lost. Uh, let me make it make sense to you right here. And when we talk about lost, it is talking about to be separated, right? But if our gospel be hid, right, it is veiled or it's hindering the knowledge, right, to them that are lost or those that are separated. For those that are separated, right, it's now a veil or something that's hindering their knowledge about the word of God, the, the gospel of God, or the ministry or the purpose of God that God has placed on the inside of them. This thing has now been hindered, right, because they're separated themselves, right? And there are many Christians who claim to be in Jesus, know Jesus, and they just might know Jesus, but they are lost, meaning they have separated themselves. Let's take it a step further, right? When we talk about this separated, right, uh, it's, it's, it's coming out of rhythm, coming out of sync with God. You know God who's the ultimate creator. He created the heavens and the earth, right? Whenever God created anything, he created everything with the rhythm, right? If you take a minute and think about you, there is a rhythm that's constantly beating on the inside of your chest called your heart, right? And anytime we come out of step or out of sync with the rhythm of God, it causes things to come out of order. It causes things to get, 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 get disorganized and displaced, all of these things right there. And so because of those that are lost, even though we know that there are some that are clearly lost because they have not come in, been engrafted into the family of the beloved, but there are also those who are inside the family who are yet lost, right? They have separated themselves, right? They have come out of sync or out of tune with God. And when we talk about being in the rhythm of God, I'm talking about it used to be a time where you were sensitive to the things of God, sensitive to the spirit of God, sensitive to the voice of God, to the timing of God, to the movement of God, knowing how to flex and flow with God, knowing how to move with God, knowing when to humble, knowing when to be quiet, knowing when to see God, knowing when to cry out, knowing when you got to take a step back and say, okay, listen, my perception is clouded a little bit. God, I need to see this thing clearly, God. So let me go to the book. Let me go to the B-I-B-L-E, Eli. Let me seek your face. Let me call upon you, God. I need wisdom, God. I need understanding, God. I need enlightenment. I need you to explain some things to me, God, so that I am not misconstruing something, so that I will have it in the manner that it's supposed to be, God. I can't remain separated from God. I can't remain being lost from God. I can't stand this place where I'm out of sync or out of touch or out of tune with God. But I've got to remain in rhythm with God so that I'm in tune with God so that I can hear God when God is speaking, that I can follow the instructions of God. I can follow the directions of God moving at, at, at the pace of God. Like Minister Brandon talked about moving Godward, moving Godward, moving in the pace of God, moving in the time of God, moving when God says you're supposed to move because there are times God will say, be still. But the scripture tells us in the book of Psalms, be still and know that he is God. Be still and see the salvation of the living God. So listen, 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 listen. Move to move Godward is to know when God says to move or to be still, right? To be still, that's still God would move. To be still, God would, there comes a point where God would say, be still, or he'll tell you to move on. But but what I'm truly trying to get at is this right here. There were some of us in the body of Christ, but yet you are lost because you have come out of sync with God. You have gotten out of rhythm with God. You don't pray like you used to. You know, oh, here go the cuss word right here. You don't fast like you used to. And I was talking to my brother on yesterday, and I was talking about how, you know what, a lot of times I'm fasting because I'm forced to fast and not by choice. It used to be a time that I would fast by choice and not by force, but there were things that are popping off in my life. I know I should be fasting, right? Uh, but but this thing is forcing me to fast. I, I, I didn't necessarily just choose to fast, but this situation or this circumstance or this trial or even this test, it is forcing me to fast to have to back this flesh up because if I allow myself to keep going 
going in the manner that I'm going, I'm going to cause myself to be lost. I'm going to cause myself to be separated, to come out of sync, to come out of rhythm with God. And how many know you can't afford to come out of rhythm with God? you got to stay in sync with God where you can hear what God is speaking. Because, again, there are most of us, we hear God, you just don't know what he means when he said what he said. And see, to be lost is you can hear him and not have a clue of what he meant, not have a clue of what he's actually saying. But to be in a rhythm with God, to be in sync with God, I hear him and I understand exactly what it is that I'm supposed to do. I understand exactly what you meant when you said what you said, God. So he said, but if our God gospel be hid, veiled, covered up. It is hid to them that are lost, those that are separated, right? And then he says, in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. In whom the God of this world. So there was a God, little g, there was a God, and notice the, 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 the there is the, there is the God of this world, right? Pointing to the little G, Satan, Lucifer, however you want to describe him, right? That fallen angel, it says, in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, right? And when we talk about blinded, right, it, it's talking about to dull the mental discernment, right? To dull the mental discernment or simply to just make blind, right? So it's dulling that mental discernment. And we understand even in the book of Hebrews, the writer tells us to exercise that discernment. And some of our discernment, it has become dull. It's not sharp anymore. Meaning I am not as sensitive as I once was because I've become door because I have failed to exercise my discernment in the proper manner that I'm supposed to operate it in because I've allowed the God of this world to bring blindness when we talk about the blind spots uh, I don't recognize what's there it is there but I just don't see it uh, it is there I just not sensitive to it like I once was and when you talk about discernment when you understand discernment is those five natural senses that you have that just heighten to a whole nother degree in the realm of the spirit right so your sense of touch your sense of taste smell your sense of hearing and vision, right? All of these five senses, right, are used in a higher sense of degree in the realm of the spirit, right? And if you fail to exercise these senses, they become dull, right? So there is something that is there, but you are not aware that it is there because your discernment has become dull or your senses have become dull because you fail to exercise them like you're supposed to, right? So he says, Listen, in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not. So understand, your discernment or these senses become dull simply because you're not exercising your belief, right? Uh, your, your belief, right? And it causes these senses to become dull. Oh, I wish I could help somebody right here. If you exercise your belief, this would be you exercising your discernment or exercising these senses. You cannot stand or allow yourself to abide in this place where you remain dull, right? Because if you remain dull, you're going to keep missing some stuff. Now, I, I I would like to know if you're honest enough and you're real enough because y'all say keep it real. Uh, do you know somebody can you believe where you, because of your dullness, uh, I'm going to put it to me, because of my dullness, I've missed some stuff. You, know, you got to understand, I missed some things that were close to me. You understand some things that I should have picked up just like that, but I missed it. It wasn't until a couple of days came that I picked it up, right? You got to understand, i give you an example, right? I, I, I didn't think too much of it. We just had uh, here a couple of days ago, it's 
something crazy just happened or a tornado just dropped down on the street over from my street, right? Right here in the city of Charlotte. We're not even in Tornado Alley per se, but a tornado just dropped down. My child called me. Now, in the forecast, it was saying it was supposed to rain all that week up until Thursday, right? My old child, she called me. She said, Daddy, are we in a hurricane season? I said, no, nah, we're not in hurricane season, but it's getting ready to come upon us, right? And, and, and I noticed the sky was black because I'm just thinking it's about to be a heavy, a hard rain that's getting ready to come down, right? And, and on my side of town, I live on the north side of Charlotte, right? And I was I was still on the north side, but on where my house was, a tornado just dropped down, right? This thing came through and did some damage. I thank God my house was not... Nothing happened to my house. And I said, look at the door, because last week I began to testify uh, that you know my house was blessed of God because you can experience the presence or the blessings of God. So you know it was a blessing of God, not something that I just prescribed to God, that God did it or this is a blessing of God. No, it was truly a blessing of God. And I feel like the enemy was trying to tempt me or, or uh, the enemy was trying to destroy my testimony, literally destroy my testimony by bringing a tornado in my air. But thanks be unto God, nothing happened to my house right but i'm showing you in her saying what she said to me nothing came up in my spirit nothing alarmed me because i was just looking at my natural surroundings i'm like well it's supposed to rain right but had i been in tune had i been in sync with god had i been in a rhythm with god god would have spoke that thing to me and said listen oh no what she's speaking there's more to what she's speaking right i would have known that a tornado was in the vicinity close to my house i would have known that a tornado was dropping down but i ain't pray about that this morning because it was one of those mornings where you prayed, uh, you understand, you prayed just for the sake of praying, just for the sake of anybody asked me, I talked to God. I didn't talk to God because I wanted to hear about what was going to take place in the middle of my day, so throughout the course of my day. I talked to God simply for the sake of saying, I talked to God, right? And if anybody were to kind of ask me, did you pray earlier this morning? I could say, yes, I did. You didn't catch me slipping, right? But in reality, I was slipping because I really was not trying to seek the face of God. I wasn't trying to seek what God had to say about what was going to come about in the course of my day. Do you know somebody? Can you believe? I know y'all want me to stop, but I won't stop until you get enough. I sure won't. So understand right here, right? I see how if you are not, don't remain in a rhythm and sync with God, how your senses will become dull, right? And you can become blinded by the God of this world, right? Because of your inability to believe God at all times, right? To trust God at all times. There are moments where we get weak and we struggle in our faith and we struggle in our trust. And guess, this is what's happening. It allows the enemy opportunity to blind us, to cause about or bring about more blind spots than we already previously had. Right. So he said, in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Right. And when we talk about this light, it's simply talking about, right, the, 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 the act of enlightening, the act of enlightening. Right. So he says, in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light, this act of enlightening of the glorious gospel. The good news, it brings enlightenment. It, it, it allows us to begin to see what we couldn't see prior to, right? It shines light on the darkness or it shines light on the blind spots, right? So it says, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So Christ, who is the image, and, and image in the Greek is simplifying as one in whom the likeness of anyone is seen. So we see the likeness of God in Jesus. We see the likeness of the Father through his Son. And in like manner, we should see the likeness of Christ through you by way of the Holy Spirit and by way of the Word of God. And so I want to ask you a question. 
because we're supposed to be created in the image of God and the likeness of God. When they see you, when they hear you, when they embrace you, do they see, do they hear, do they feel Jesus? When they encounter you, do they encounter the spirit of God? Like Lewis was talking about how our apostles say, when I meet somebody, I want them to see or feel or experience the presence of God when they meet me. Simply put, when someone encounters you, are they encountering you or are they encountering the presence of God? Because you and I, being the temples of the Holy Ghost, we are carriers of the presence of God. So when you encounter somebody, they should encounter the presence of God by way of you. If they're not encountering the presence of God, you might want to think about being baptized all over again, being refilled with the spirit all over again. Because there are many baptisms. You, you understand? Uh, so you might want to rethink that thing. If they're not encountering the presence of God, chances are you might not be feel like you thought you were. So he said, listen, uh, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is in the image of God should shine unto them. We need the glorious gospel of Christ, the one who's created in the image of God. We need him to shine brightly through us. It's him that needs to be on display. It is Christ Jesus that needs to be seen. Not you, not me, but Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. He's the one that needs to be seen. He's the one that needs to be heard. And too many times, folks, you know, you know how y'all do. Too many times you won't make folks to believe that you are so full of wisdom and all of these different things. Just for thumbs up and likes and different things of this nature right here. You want to sound like you just got it all together. But in your, in your quotes and all of these inspirational words that you put up and all these different things, does anybody really see or does anybody really hear Christ in what you just spoke or what you just released? Truth. <laughs> they're going to hear Christ. They're going to see Christ when they hear and see truth. Truth. Notice what I said, because factual things denote things that are true and they can be true in the moon. Like right now, the sun is shining. That is a fact. It is true. But let a cloud come or let a, 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 an overcast come. That thing that was true can be changed. Facts can change. But truth, T-R-U-T-H, it, 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 it never changes. It cannot be changed. It is what it is. That's why the Bible says he's the truth. So this is the thing. If they're going to see Christ, hear Christ, then they have to see and hear truth from you. So even if your truth is you raggedy that day, that's still seeing Jesus because it said my weakness that his strength is made perfect. True. Uh, to know that even though I got him and I got him real good, guess what? There are many days, listen, he, if, if he was not holding me up, I would have been fell. I would have fell, fallen all the way off. But that's why I bless his wonderful name, because I understand he's holding me up. I don't put no confidence in my flesh because I understand Lincoln, Lincoln will fail Lincoln. And Lincoln will show enough fail you. But my, 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 my faith and my confidence and my trust is in the Holy Ghost. My boast is of the Holy Ghost. It's in him. And so I pray that you were encouraged by this word as we talk about uh, out of sight and out of mind. And for most of us, the gospel, the word of God, it is out of sight. And guess what? Because it's out of sight, it is going to be out of mind. 
which was caused us to become lost, causing us to be separated, causing us to become out of sync or out of rhythm with God. Oh, keep the word before you. Don't just keep it in your ear, but keep it before you. See the word. It used to be a time some of y'all used to write down and post scriptures up all around your house. You might need to get back to it. Like, like for me, I told somebody, it's been, and here is my confession. Here is truth. You about to see and hear Jesus right now. For a couple of years, I haven't had no anointing oil in my house. Not because I don't believe in it. I was just like, well, Lord, you know what? I'll get it when I get it. You know, you go to the store, don't even be thinking about it because it's out of sight, out of mind. And I figured, well, I ain't got no oil. I, I, I anoint this dog on uh, uh, cooking oil and, and, and lay here. But I even got away from that. So a lot of times I have not saw no uh, oily crosses on my doorposts over my window for a couple of years because it was out of sight and out of mind. But I want you to know God dealt me and I went and bought me some oil. And it's, it's guess what? It's before me now. You got to understand because I understand it is the oil that is symbolic of, of, of the presence of God, the anointing of God. And this is what destroys the yoke of bondage. So I'm keeping things before me so it will be stay on my mind. I need the oil of God in my life. I'm not just talking about some oil, but I need the spiritual oil of God that comes from laboring in this word, spending time in the word, spending time in the presence of God. I need this oil to flow on my life. In my life, I need the rivers of living water to flow and not be stagnant, not be blocked or hindered. So what am I saying to you? Keep the word. Don't just keep it in your ear, but keep it before you. You might need to break your old Bible out, your, your tangible, your tangible Bible. You might need to go get your tangible Bible. Because for most of you, you, do, you rely too much on, on technology, and technology will fail you. But the word, keep it before you, and it will help keep you in rhythm with God. Amen.